The word said that the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years after that, and then Moses died. And then God commanded Joshua, he says, he says, Joshua, arise and go. Go and tell my people um, to prepare yourself, for in three days um, I will deliver them um, over the Jordan River, and they will enter my promised land. And so Joshua, his name means salvation. He was a type of Christ. He was a savior to the people, and he was called to continue God's plan um, of leading uh, Israel into the promised land. Joshua was um, the personal assistant um, of Moses. Moses has spent a lot of time um, with Joshua, developing him as a leader, uh, discipling him, and just spending a lot of time with him. Uh, Joshua, he actually grew up during the time of Egyptian slavery. And so he heard the stories. He's seen his people in poverty and in bondage, but that he didn't let that identify him. The word of God said that he stayed in the temple and he stayed um, under the ministry of Moses. And so it took Israel 40 years 40 years of wandering in the wilderness before they could cross the river and into the promised land. Why is it that it took, why did it take this long uh, for the Israelites to be able to get up and to move and to go over to the other side? Um, I could imagine that, you know, maybe it could have been comfort. Um, The people of Israel, they were in slavery uh, for quite some time, for for several hundred years. And so I imagine that when they finally got their freedom, they finally were able to overcome that. Maybe they got into a place where they were comfortable. Everything was familiar. They set up their tents. They had their community. Um, They had their leader. And Moses was there, and he was the intercessor on their behalf who communicated with God and delivered the word of God to them. And they were comfortable, and, and I can understand that, you know. And sometimes we ask ourselves, like, if, if I'm comfortable, if I'm okay where I am, why do I need to change, right? If, if I work hard, I have a job, I take care of my family, I go to church on Sundays, hey, I even serve in the church, you know, isn't that good enough? Why do I need to change? I'm comfortable with where I am. Everything is good. I'm good with God. You know, why do I need to do anything differently? Or maybe um, it could have been fear. Maybe the Israelites, they knew deep down inside that God had promised that they would um, inherit the promised land, that they would have a nation that they would call their own, that they would have their own land, that they would have their own place, their place of rest. Deep down inside, they knew that. But maybe they were afraid when they approached that Jordan River and they saw how great it was. And maybe they just kind of, you know, got into the motions of life and then maybe they forgot what God had did for them in the past where God has split the Red Sea, and here they are facing the Jordan River, and maybe they're afraid. They're afraid of um, the trials and the difficulties that might lie ahead. They're afraid that maybe the journey might be a little bit too hard for them to go a little further. So maybe they're just going to stay where they are. But we can all relate to that. You know, a lot of times when God asks us to do something, um, we, you know, we have our human nature where we probably don't always go in a straight line from point A to point 
be, you know. Maybe we get distracted. Maybe we want to stop somewhere and treat us to something nice, like at a Starbucks and get ourselves a nice frappuccino. Um, you know, it's like that GPS. We know that we put in our destination. We know that where we're supposed to go that, and that we're going to get there, you know. But there's external factors that happens. You know, life happens. In the city of Houston, construction happens and traffic happens. And you never know what's going to happen along the way. You know, but praise God that when God has a destiny for us, he doesn't change his destiny for us. God has a purpose and a plan for us that is so good, that is beyond our imagination, is beyond what we can fathom, and God's destiny doesn't change for us. You know, and things may, circumstances may change, but God is constant, and he does change. And, and we might make mistakes and we might make decisions and it might delay it a little bit. But God's promises for us are always yes and amen. We all understand the meaning of the word arise. Um, in a literal sense, the word arise is to stand up, is to rise up, is to be empowered, to endure, is to persist. But beyond a physical meaning, there's also a deep down, there's also an, an, an internal um, thing that happens with arising. It's not just a physical. There's something that happens on the inside when it comes to arising. Um, it, it also means to arouse, to stir up, and to investigate. Now, to investigate, I thought that was kind of strange. You know, what, what does that mean? You know, in God... When God calls us to arise, we want to investigate that a little bit. We want to be able to ask why, you know, search a little deeper. Why is it that God is wanting us to arise? There has to be a reason. There has to be something more, you know. Um, you know, it's okay to ask God why. As, as God's child, you know, it's okay to ask why sometimes. I know like little kids, um, you know, we, um, and they always, every time a parent or an adult tells them to do something, they're just like, why? Why this? And why that? And, you know, sometimes it just gets fun when we ask why, why, why? But, you know, that's, it's that relationship that God wants for us to have with him. And it's okay to ask why. A lot of times Christians, you know, will say, you know, we just have to trust and obey, and, you know, that's it, you know. But the Bible says, ask, and you shall receive. Yeah. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall open. You know, we have not because we ask not. You know, the Bible says that um, in Jeremiah 33:3, you know, call to me, ask me, and I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. God has mysteries of his will that he wants to impart, that he wants to download into you, and he wants to show you the riches of his grace and the mysteries of his will so that you can trust in him. Um, I work as an occupational therapist, and when I started off, I used to work um, in the hospital environment, and my main job was to get patients out of bed, literally, and um, patients, they, um, either they have experienced something traumatic, they've had surgery, they've had a disease, and I had to get them out of bed as soon as possible. Now, why is that so important? Um, in my training, there's something called volition. And I don't know if you know the word volition, but volition 
is, is this internal desire. It, it is your motivation. It is um, something on the inside of you um, that is a very strong factor in determine, determining whether or not um, if you're going to arise or how well the potential of you recovering or even getting up from the state that you're in, if they have the volition to even get up out of that bed. Because you know maybe they can say, oh, it hurts too much or it's too painful, it's too hard. It requires too much effort. Oh, I can't do this. I just don't think that I can do this. You know, I've, I've lived a good enough life. You know, I, I, I just deserve to stay where I am, and, and that is okay. You know, but what happens is when they don't get up and they, they move, they start to deteriorate, and eventually they begin to die. So getting up was very important in my line of work. So what would cause somebody to arise? And we talked about volition. Um, it could be your will. It's, it's your will causes you to arise. You know, God gives us this gift of having a free will. He doesn't force us to make our decisions. He doesn't force us to change. He gives us that free will to choose him or to reject him, um, to decide where we're going to go or what we're going to do. He gives us that free will. Um, so it, it's our free will that could cause us to arise. Could it be our conviction or, you know, um, our, you know, we believe that, you know, it could be our conscience, you know, that's kind of, you know, pricking on the inside of us and causing us to make a decision or a choice or, you know, as believers, we say it's the Holy Spirit that's stirring something up, you know, that we need to change. But, you know, I, I believe as Christians, an important principle that we need to understand that there is a difference between conviction and condemnation, you know, so a lot of times we mix that up between conviction and condemnation because condemnation a lot of times is led by guilt. Condemnation is not from God. The Bible says that there's no condemnation in God. You know, and, and when we do things out of condemnation, we do it out of fear. We do it because we feel like, you know, we're trying to earn something. We're trying to avoid that punishment. Uh, we do it out of guilt. You know, but conviction is where it's because of God's love that leads us to change. We change because we know that God loves us. It is, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We should never do something because of fear, because there is no fear in God. There, you know, there is no fear in love, but that perfect love causes um, us to change. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear oftentimes causes us to be resentful, you know, and we do things, and the change might be temporary, but it's not life-changing. When God calls you to rise, ultimately, he does it because he wants you to draw closer to him and to trust him. It's like, it's like a child and a parent relationship, you know, uh, when the child understands and knows the love of their parent, they're, they're willing to obey because they trust and they believe that their heavenly, they, they believe that their parent, just as we believe our heavenly father wants what is best for us. The word arise in Hebrew is also kum or kumai. And um, it is the same word that Jesus used in the New Testament um, in the, um, the book of Mark 541 when Jesus, in the story where Jesus, um, he raised the dead little girl 
back to life. And he took the child by the hand and he said, Talitha Kumai, which means little dead girl, arise. I think that's very um, interesting to understand that the word kum or arise actually means also to resurrect, to bring life into what is dead. And, you know, I thought it was very, you know, that detail was so important that Jesus took the child by the hand because when he calls you to arise, he will be with you. He, just as Jesus Christ died and he rose again, he will be with you and he will rise with you also. And when Jesus did that, he says, the child is not dead, but he is sleeping. Our situation might, fe- might seem like it's over. Our situation might seem like it is finality. Our situation might seem like it is impossible. But in God, nothing is impossible. In God, it is not over because he can turn it around. He can transform it. He can bring life back to your situation that seems to be dead. You know, just like Moses had to die, and therefore God called Joshua arise and go, sometimes in our life people have to die. Sometimes relationships have to be cut off. Sometimes, sometimes even good things have to come to an end because then at that point, it will allow us to be vulnerable. It'll allow us to lean on Jesus as our source and that it will push us into our destiny that God was preparing us for. You know, for, um, for a while, um, you know, more recently, um, it was, you know, Peter and I um, were in this state where um, on the outside everything looked good, and on the outside we looked busy and productive, but on the inside um, we were, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if we were depressed, but we, we were down, you know, and, and it was like... We were doing everything, you know, but the thing that we wanted most was to be able to have a baby. And so we got into this little bit of a funk where um, it felt like, even though everything was moving on the outside, on the inside, it felt like we were stuck, you know, and it was an inside thing. It just felt like everything had stopped, everything was on a pause, and it was as if, you know, in our private time, we were giving ourselves a pity party, and I'm just, you know, God, I'm not going to worship you, God, I'm not going to pray, God, I'm not going to spend time with you, I'm just going to be like this until you give me what I want, you know, and finally, at the, um, earlier, at the beginning of this year, um, you know, we came to realize that, you know, we, God doesn't want us to, to, to dwell where we are. God doesn't want us to be stuck where we are. He wants us to be able to move forward and keep going and continue to trust in him despite we don't have what we want at this time. So it says arise, and then it says go. Go. The word arise is actually mentioned numerous times in the Bible. But unless Jesus is raising the dead, the word arise almost always goes along with an action word. It always goes along with arise and go. You know, I believe that every single word in the Bible is there for a reason. God doesn't just say things just to say things. You know, he doesn't, you know, God could have just told Joshua, God could have just told the Israelites, you know, go, you know, go, go get the people, go get my people and just go over the Jordan. You know, he could have just said, go over the Jordan. But he said, arise and go. 
You know, there is meaning in arise and go because we can, physically we can arise, we can stand up and not go anywhere. You know, we can be at church, we can stand up, we can raise our hands, we can say hallelujah, you know, and there's no change. We can go to church, we can feel good, we can get rowdy, we can get excited, but the rest of the week or the rest of the year, nothing happens. There's no change. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we're, what are we doing with our faith after that, after the standing up, after the I'm excited, I am confident, and then what? You can arise but you don't necessarily have to go. But Jesus said, God said, arise and go. You know, I believe that what God wants us to arise, this is a spiritual arising, and what God wants us to, to arise is actually our faith. God wants our faith to arise. Can you, can you turn to somebody maybe behind you and just encourage them and say, let your faith arise? Let your faith arise. We need faith in order to go. Anyone can stand, but in order for us to go, we need to have that faith in order to go. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, faith is something that you cannot see, but in order for there to be evidence of faith, there has to be some action that is involved you know, you have to have faith in order to go. Can you still have faith? Can you still continue to trust in God? Can you still believe when the, when the situations are difficult? When the difficult times come, can you still believe? Can you still believe when the test results come in and you don't get the results that you are looking for, you know, and, and when you look at your bank statements and the numbers don't all add up, and when your prayer is not getting answered and you don't get what you want, can you still believe? Can you still trust in him? Can you still have that peace in him? Can you still have that joy in him? Can you still have faith? In James 2, 17, it says, faith without works is dead. The Jordan River also has some symbolic meaning. The Jordan River to man, you know, or to the Israelites, it can look like a barrier. It could look like an impossible situation. It could be like um, a giant. Geography um, describes the Jordan River as the longest river all bordering Israel from Palestine all the way through. And it has many different climates and terrains and the currents are strong. And at that time, um, before the Israelites crossed over, it said that it was overflowing at its banks. And so this, this um, Jordan River could look like a barrier, a place of opposition where it, it may seem like the currents are coming against them. But to God, the Jordan River is also a place of transition. It is a place where you have to make a definite decision. Are you going to step and let God do his thing and let God show you what he can do with his miracle and his power? You know, are you not going to step? It is a place of transition. It is a turning point where you make a choice. Um, it is a shift in your life, kind of like a crosswords where you know that when you go in this direction, it's going to be different, or when you turn here, it's going to be different. It was, it was a shift um, in ministry between Moses and Joshua. It was a shift. 
you know, it was a change, something different. God is doing something totally new. It was a shift um, in, you know, John the Baptist, and he was a weird guy, and he, um, he was preaching the kingdom of heaven at the Jordan River. And Jesus Christ, he was baptized in the Jordan River. And so this Jordan River represents a shift in our life. So why does God want, to cro- want for us to cross over this Jordan, this barrier, this place of opposition? It's because God wants to give us a more abundant life. You know, the Bible says that I have not come to give you um, life, but life in all of its fullness, life in abundance. God wants for us to not just be saved, not just to have salvation, not just to be a Christian and come to church, you know, and that's it. God wants for us to have even more than that. God wants for us to have life and life even more abundantly. God delivered the Israelites from slavery Um, And God gave them freedom. But even more than that, God wanted to give them a nation. God wanted to give them a name. God wanted to lead them into a place that was abundantly resourceful, that was called the land of milk and honey. God wants us to cross over the Jordan because he wants to give us vision. He wants to give us vision to be able to do greater uh, things um, for him. He has a plan and a purpose for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. He wants to give us vision to do greater things for him because he wants to exalt us. You know, I know that sounds weird, and we say, oh, I exalt God, and yes, we, I exalt thee, but God is already exalted, but he wants to exalt you. He wants to exalt you. He wants to glorify your life. He wants to put you on a pedestal. Why? So that the, so that the people can look at you, and they can see that God is doing great things in your life. You know, God wants people to see his glory at work in our lives. You know, sometimes we don't understand what this word glory is. Glory simply is the greatness of God that is revealed in your life. And God wants us to go from glory to glory, which means he wants to take us from one place you know, where God shows his victory, where God shows his goodness in your life to the next place of victory and greatness in your life so that he can be exalted through you. So how can our faith arise? Our faith arises with our praise. Our faith arises with our praise. I love when Pastor Jeremiah leads worship. He has this thing. He's like, we have to stir up the praises. We have to stir up the gift, you know, in his voice. But it's so true. We have to be able to stir it up because there is really, there's power in praise. In Isaiah 61, it says, God will give us the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And what that means is that when we give him our sadness and when we give him our sorrows, he will replace it and fill us up with his joy. And when we give um, him a garment of praise, which means when we put on our praise, which means, you know, we may not even feel like it. It may be too hard. It may be difficult. We might have had a hard week. But when we put on that praise, God will lift our heaviness. Praise is powerful. It is a, it is a spiritual weapon. It is your spiritual warfare. It paralyzes the devil. 
And when the praises come up, the presence of God comes down. Just like how I did today, when the praises come up, when we let go of everything, when we tune everything out and we just say, God, it's just you. God is all about you. The presence of God comes and God begins to move and miracles begin to happen and chains begin to break. It's like the Apostle Paul. He was doing everything right for God. I mean, he was starting churches. He was preaching the gospel. He was, he was awesome. But then he gets put in prison, you know, and he could have been resentful. He could have been angry. He could have been, woe is me, you know. You know, why did I do everything for God? And, you know, I don't deserve this. But he praised God even in prison so that the presence of God comes and the prison doors are open up and the captives are set free. And that is what God wants for us to do. He wants our faith to arise so that we can go and so that we can set the captives free. Our, our faith arises with our testimonies. Testimonies are powerful. You know, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to um, be super experienced. All you have to know is to share the testimonies of God in your life because no one can deny your testimony. You don't have to have it all together. But if you know that God has been good to you, you know that if God has saved you, sometimes we have to remind ourselves you know, of the testimonies of God. You know, if God um, had delivered the Israelites from being enslaved and the Egyptians, if God had, you know, um, split the Red Sea and they were able to cross over and, they, and then God um, destroyed their enemies and then God was able to provide bread from heaven and he was able to, to break open the rocks and provide water for them to drink even when they were in the desert. If, you know, if God did all these things, if God did it yesterday, he can do it again today. If God did it before, then he can surely do it again because God is the same yesterday today and forever. In Revelations 12, 11, it says, they, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to death. Testimonies will help your faith to arise. The word of God will, will help your faith to arise as well. It, the word of God increases your faith. In Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The more you spend time in the word, it will increase your faith muscle. You know, recently I joined this women's exercise class and it's been very empowering. And before, you would never find me at a gym. I mean, I hate exercising. Um, I dread it with all of my heart. But um, for one thing, it's very empowering when you get together with other women. But, you know, the more I did it, the more I did it, the more I began to love it, the more it started to become routine. And then I start to see that it became a, a, like um, a routine for me, like a norm for me. I started getting used to it. My heart rate started getting better. My endurance started getting better. My stamina, my strength started getting better. And I realized I was getting stronger. And it was helping me. It was helping me to be uh, more sharp, more focused, and to do the things that the Lord wanted me to do. 
The word of God provides encouragement. And I love that when God told Joshua to arise and go and go and deliver my people into the promised land, that God was so good in that he encouraged Joshua and he affirmed him. He says, um, be bold and of good courage. Right, be strong and uh, and be very courageous. And he and he didn't just say it one time. He said it twice. He said it three times. He said it four times. Be strong and of good um, courage. Be strong and very courageous. And I love how God encourages that when He calls us, He doesn't just leave us alone and let us do it by ourselves. He's telling us that He will be there with us all the way, and He will help us through it. This number four is significant because the number four represents God's creative nature. There are four seasons. There's summer, winter, fall, and spring. There are four directions, north, south, east, and west. You know, the number four represents God's creative nature. And here God says four times, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage because when we trust in God, and we know that he is with us. He will help us to arise. He will perform creative miracles for us in the impossible situations. The word of God will tell of God's promises. He's, he tells Joshua that I will give you authority and victory. God promises authority and victory. In verse 3 in the scriptures that we just read, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. He promises authority and victory. The word of God promises us that he will always be with us. In verse 5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Forsake us to disappoint us or to abandon us. He says he will be with us wherever we go. The word of God promises that he will make us prosper wherever we go. You know that word prosper doesn't just necessarily mean that we will be wealthy and our banks will, you know, will overflow with cash. But to prosper actually means that God will give us prudence and he will give us wisdom so that we can make decisions and be successful. That's pretty interesting. And so when we spend enough time with the Lord, we, we start to recognize his voice, just like um, a sheep recognizes the voice of um, his shepherd. And I shared a message before called The Door, how Jesus is the door, and he will call his sheep out. And we begin to recognize his voice. And so when God calls us to go, we have to get ourselves ready. We have to get ourselves prepared. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to go? Are you prepared to be blessed? Are you prepared to receive the promise that God has for you? So I imagine the Israelites, when Joshua went to go tell them, prepare yourselves. In verse 11, it says, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days, you will cross over the Jordan to go possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess are you prepared to go and to receive your promised blessings? I imagine the Israelites had to pack up 
right? They had to pack up their tents, they had to pack up their suitcases and their bags, you know, and they had to declutter, I'm pretty sure, because I'm sure they collected a lot of junk in the 40 years that they were there, and I'm pretty sure that there were some idols that they needed to throw out, and there was some unnecessary um, junk that they had to get rid of, and I'm sure they had to pack light. I mean, uh, come on, they're crossing the Jordan River. They can't bring their whole house, you know, with them, and so they had to declutter. It's kind of like, you know, moving to a new house, you know, it gives you the opportunity to just kind of get rid of some things so that you can move into this new place that you really look forward to. You know, we have to get into proper alignment. Are you in proper alignment? It's like, um, it's like a car. If your axle's bent or, you know, if your alignment is soft, you're not going to go straight. You know, you're going to struggle a little bit. It's going to be a little bit harder. It's going to, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit, you know, harder for you to get there because you're not going in a straight line. You have to get yourself in alignment. God gave instruction to Joshua to tell the people that the Ark of the Covenant will go before them as they cross the Jordan. This Ark of the Covenant represented the law. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, you know, and it would go before them and it would lead them, and they were to look up to that. And as soon as the sole of their foot would would step into um, the Jordan River, the river will again, God would perform his miracle and split the water so that the people can cross over. Are you in proper Align. Are you where you need to be, or do you need to get yourself shifted into alignment where you're looking to your leader, where you're looking to your heavenly Father? We have to be able to align our hearts and our souls yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. And most of all, you have to prepare yourself by being in God's word. Verse 7 and 8, it tells us that we have to observe the law, which means read it. Right? And, and it tells us that we need to meditate on it day and night. You know, meditate, it's not like, it, it is it's to speak the word out loud and to meditate on it. Um, we have to do what it says and take action. We have to arise, but not only arise, we have to go. You know, this, it's been a pretty good summer uh, for me, and I just want to share with you something a little bit personal, but, um, you know, I've always had this goal, I've had this dream for the longest time, for over 10 years, um, to start my own business, and, um, and I haven't shared this very much with anyone, but it is the business of starting a personal care home, it is a business of an elderly care uh, service, and I've had this for a long time, but it's always been on the back of my mind, I've, I've always dismissed it and ignored it, because it would be a huge undertaking for me. It would be a lot of risks that are involved. You know, I don't know that many people who have gone before me who have done this kind of thing, you know, and I just didn't think that I ever had the experience or I would know enough, you know, um, but something on the inside of me rose up recently and it says, I, I have to do it. God, if you, if you place this passion in me, God, if this is your will, I have to trust in you. And I'm, I'm not telling you this because I've made it. Okay, I'm, I'm telling you this because the journey has only begun. And my faith has to continue to rise up. And I have to continue to trust in him as I go every single step of the way. And so as we, 
As we reflect on this story and, and as, we, um, as we think about some of the things that were talked about today, about Joshua and about the Israelites, I just kind of want you to think about where you are in your life right now. Can you relate yourself to the Israelites at that time? Or maybe can you relate yourself to Joshua? You know, maybe you're like the Israelites where you realize that there's, there, you're tired of where you are and um, you're tired of just going around in circles and maybe wandering and you realize that on the inside of you, something needs to change. You know, and this is for everybody, you know, the super spiritual, the mature, the, you know, the Christians, you know, everybody, we all need to change because if we're not changing, then we're not moving. And if we're not moving, then we're not living. You know, God is always wanting for us to change something because when we're uncomfortable, we will lean on him even more. You know, a lot of times as humans, we, we want, you know, we think that we need to change things on the outside. We need to buy a cuter outfit, a better pair of shoes, buy, you know, a, another red lipstick or, you know, maybe, you know, we need to move to another place or maybe we need to get a, another car, another home. You know, we want to change things on the outside because we think that that would be better. We think that would be easier. We think that that would do something but God is looking for us to change what is on the inside. He is not looking what is on the outside. He is looking what is on the inside. Or are you like Joseph? Has God, has God birthed something on the inside of you? Has, has he given you a vision to pursue something that is greater for him? You know, maybe it's a creative, an innovative idea, something that's never been done before. You know, God wants to give you that. Maybe is, is a vision to do something to glorify God, but maybe it just seems too hard. Maybe it just is too scary. You know, it's, it's just too many risks involved. There's absolutely no way that I can do that on my own. You know, God wants your faith to rise up so that you can trust in him, so that he can do miracles for you. And ultimately, he wants our faith to rise, to draw him closer to himself, to draw you closer to himself, because he loves you. Most of all, he's concerned about your soul. He, he's concerned about lost souls. You know, we, you know, it's easy for us to come to church and for us to receive and for us to come full and fat Christians, you know, but our church is not going to grow unless we go out and we tell people. You know, we tell people about God. We, we tell people about our testimonies and how good God has been for us and that to prepare ourselves because God has a promised blessing for you, for you, for you, and for you. And so as I, um, as I close this message and as you reflect on some of the things that we talked about here, I just want to close with um, the lyrics to a song that came to mind uh, to me earlier this week as I was preparing this message. And you may have heard this song before. And um, as the praise team is um, getting ready and we're gonna worship to this last song. Um, but I just wanna read these words to you real quick. And this is a song um, called, called God of Miracles by Chris McClarney. And it says, um, let faith arise. In spite of what I see, Lord, I believe. 
but help my unbelief. I choose to trust you. No matter what I feel, let faith arise. God of miracles come. We need your supernatural love to break through. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. And so at this time, I just want to invite you uh, to respond however the Lord wants for you to respond. And if you want to stay there in your seats and just, just be still, God can move. And, and if you want to arise, if you want to stand, if you want to come up to the altar, it's entirely up to you. But just spend some time um, just reflecting and spend some time with Jesus. That big 